Yeah, all right. Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. I'm here with Ty Nguyen. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Ty Nguyen, stand-up comedian, Austin, Texas. You know what's up. <laughs> cocky. He's uh, he's cocky. He puts his shoulders back when he performs, and he uh, musters up. Well, you know, I do that for good uh, oxygen. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got air in your yeah. wind in your sails. Yeah, then you can perform better. <laughs> Um, so, I just want to ask you about this. You performed Pigeon Confetti uh-huh. at the Paramount Theater. Mm. How'd you get booked? It seems like, you, you know, you must know someone on the inside. You might know someone in the Illuminati or something. <laughs> like, someone probably... When the news first broke that, um, I'm going to be hating on the stateside Paramount, none of the comedians believed it was true. Until I sold them the Paramount website with the purchase now button. And then, and then after that, they were like, Wow, Ty, what network requested you? Who, who did you know? Who, who was your hookup? To be honest, I just sent them an email. I use Gmail if that helps. Anybody could book the Paramount. You just have to fill out a form and then send it to them. And then you kind of have to like keep sending them emails and stuff. Because like they will brush you aside if you don't follow up with them. Right. So yeah, you just have to keep at it. It's best to hire somebody else to do it. Like an agent? Yeah, or somebody that's like just have consistency with emailing. <laughs> oh, hire somebody to stay on the... Yeah. So Chris Castle's helped you. Yeah. How You guys, I heard stories that you guys were going around putting up posters for months before. Yeah, we we put up... I put out flyers, like a hundred... Poster, yeah, poster. They look really nice. They're kind of big. And I went and uh, I taped them downtown, like on night pose and stuff like that. With tape? Yeah, with tape, yeah. You know, I was doing that in New Orleans with a staple gun. Yeah. And a meter maid thought I had a handgun and then I ended oh, up in jail. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the meter maid snitch on you? Well, they said, oh, I I was like, are you gonna give me a ticket? She's like, no, now I'm not. She walked away <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Like, I thought I got to my car uh-huh. before she printed it. Yeah. You know, like like winner winner chicken dinner. Like yeah. I touched uh, my car before she printed it, so that. But then it turned out that she thought I had a gun and just backed away from me. So. Oh man. And then reported me, and they had the license plate from the ticket, and then I get a phone call from Detective Williams of the Fifth District. It's like, where's the gun? We. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, but anyway, so I ended up in jail. But um. It's very gangster of you. Yeah. Like really. For a parking ticket. Pretty hardcore. Yeah. You bet on yourself. You pay your own money to film your own specials. Sorry for ruining dinner and pigeon confetti. Yeah. Um, that's the same thing I did. Where did you get the the gumption? Where'd you get the confidence to take a bet like that? Because a lot of people just look for hands outs and, and like, you know, go around looking for, oh, book me on shows, pay me, book me with their hands out. Palmers. So, um, when I started comedy, I just heard somewhere that 
you have to retire your old material so you can get better. So my goal is to have like uh, a good amount of comedy material to where I can shoot a special in like an hour. So I wanted to have an hour and then retire it. So that's why I shot the special to retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That material. Okay. Yeah. So it's more like, hey, this, this, you know, sit five years of work. Now it's here. Now it's done. Now I'm gonna start over. Pretty much, yeah. And you had to. You know, like two years of work. Was it? Two years of yeah, work. Yeah, of my first special. Yeah. Um. Hard hitting question: Is Barack Obama a reptilian? shape-shifting area. I think we should legalize weed because I got a new weed dealer recently and boy, this guy is weird. I'm gonna tell you why he's weird. <laughs> Every time I drive to his house to buy a dime bag, he would invite me in, make me tea, send me down to talk about things I don't want to talk about. I don't want to hear about your breakthrough update on JFK assassination. Or how Obama's just fake tears because he's part reptilian. <laughs> Listen, if I drove 30 minutes to your apartment, right, to buy $10 worth of weed, not even the good stuff, like dirt weed, it's obvious I have some personal issue going on. And I don't want to add Obama as a reptilian to that mess. <laughs> I just want to tell him, look, dude, I think it's cool that you're doing independent research. <laughs> but can I just grab my dime bag? I'm late to my Illuminati meeting. <laughs> I'm just afraid that if I say yes to his offer to watch YouTube conspiracy theory videos, the cop gonna kick in the door, we'll both be high, cause I gotta be high to watch that shit. <laughs> He'll arrest both of us and take us to jail. And you know what happened guys to me in jail, right? It's not a happy ending. I'm gonna let y'all know what happened to a guy like me in jail. First we get an A, <laughs> then we get A's. <laughs> I told y'all, it's not happy ending. <laughs> well, maybe for the guy to get me aid, he had a good time. <laughs> so once I get to prison, and you know the prison inmate asked me, yo son, what you in here for? I'm not gonna tell him I got pinched for a dime bag. I'm gonna tell him. I'm in here because I expose the Obama administration for being lizard people. That way they'll think I'm a political prisoner. I don't know if he's a reptilian. That's just a word around town. But I think there's a high chance of his bodyguard being an uh, 
another species. Oh, I saw that footage too. Yeah, right? That guy's walking around. He's like bald and then his face is like it's changing like a pin and stuff. Fat face yeah, that's, like a that's the craziest video ever. I don't know if that video is like real if anybody messed with the special effect yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after watching it, you'd be like, wow, he hang around with some odd characters. Mm. Yeah, so, so I think that's more likely the bodyguard is more of a a species, I don't know, a reptilian, or somebody that's just, you know, his face just move around when on camera. Maybe that's a rare condition. Right, right. It's just like, oh, he just looks like that. Like, he's like Israeli Indian, and just like the, the mix of his genetics made his face look like that. It's like, don't make fun of him. Yeah, yeah. He's so. got like elephant face, or yeah. he's an alien. Maybe you know? he had food poisoning. He's <laughs> <laughs> kind of looking around. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. weird guy. So you did a joke about how your weed dealer would always get you to watch conspiracy videos on YouTube uh-huh. with him. How, where do you, where is Ty's uh, conspiracy knowledge? Like, where, what do you worry about in the conspiracy YouTube world? Um, I used to be, like, really big on conspiracy. Like, I would watch them on YouTube. I would think they're real. Um, now I'm more of a... Uh, you know, I feel like if you look for something, you're going to get more of it no matter what. So the conspiracy probably are not even real. But since I look into it so much, I see signs of it everywhere. So to me, it's real, you know. So um, I've been down to YouTube rabbit hole where I watch documentaries and stuff. Like a lot of documentaries. Um, yeah, and I have friends that are into the same stuff. Yeah. What? Which one? What conspiracy is your favorite? Or that? Is it aliens? Is it nine eleven? Is it um, depopulation agendas? Yeah. Um, my favorite one. My favorite one that I thought was gonna happen was two thousand and twelve. Okay. But I didn't think we were gonna die. That I thought we're we're gonna go to another dimension. So okay. The whole Earth would like change. Like, I heard some people saw that the, the accident, like, the North Pole would be the South Pole. Like, it was just going to flip. The yeah. Earth flip. Yeah. I don't know how we would know. And I thought some people was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was so funny because I was DJing at, like, a house party. <laughs> uh, doing, like, you know, the that night where it turned to Was it, like, December, December 12, 2012 or May? Uh, yes. I think December 12, 2012. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was DJing, and like, it's about to be like past 12, and like, okay, it's going to happen. And then past 12, it didn't happen. I was like, maybe it's in another time zone, you know? Oh. And then it never happened. I was very disappointed. As a DJ, were you like trying to push it along? Like, yo, if I throw on some Madonna right now, you know what I mean? Were you like, yeah. if I throw this on, then it'll push it into a different dimension? No, I don't party. think Madonna will have the power to do that. <laughs> you a confident man. <laughs> um, you're from Vietnam. Yeah. When when did you move to the States? Um, I moved here when I was five years old. Okay. Uh, yeah. The airplane dropped us off in California. Uh-huh. And then we drove down to Austin. That's where we have relatives here. Uh-huh. Yeah. And... Did you notice like cultural differences? I guess you were five, but uh, being Vietnamese, being going to Texas, how is that like? You're like in both two two worlds. Um, 
I really like America. I thought the fast food system is like really nice. Uh-huh. Very impressed with that. <laughs> and the toilet system is very nice. To- good toilets, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's about it. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge language barrier I had to get over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been so accustomed to here that yeah. America feel like home. Were you, uh, you talk a lot about insecurities, battling insecurities. Mm-hmm. Was that something where you like bullied in high school for being different than anybody or? Um, yeah, definitely. I was kind of have a little bit of bullying, was bullying in middle school and a little bit in high school. Yeah. But um, did that put like a fire in your belly to correct that, correct some of those situations? Um, I never like fought anybody. Yeah. The only person I fought was uh, my high school history teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You fought him. Yeah, I tried to fight him. He's also like the wrestling coach. Oh. So you know he's a horrible history teacher. <laughs> <laughs> What's what was the argument? Um, so one day I was laying down on my desk with my head, you know, down oh, and like that. Falling asleep. Yeah, I do that pretty often, you know, when there's like nothing to do. Uh-huh. And you have rights to do that in class if that's like nothing to do. Well, he has like a you know one of those tissue box. Yeah. Yeah. He took it and he smacked it over the top of my head and said, mm. wake up, sleepy head. Like it was normal, mm. you know? I was just like really pissed. So at the end of class, everybody walked out. I uh, walked up to him. So I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, why did you uh, disrespect me like that? And then I tried to swing at him. He intercepted me and then we wrestled to the ground. He's way bigger than me. Yeah, he pinned me. Was he, okay, he's out of your weight class too. Yeah. Um, I saw you at the Lusty Pair. First of all, the first time I saw you was Blind Pig. I didn't even have an apartment. I was living in a hotel looking for apartments. I saw Blind you at the Pig. Uh, Mikey Swenson brought me to Blind Pig, my first open mic in Austin. And I oh, saw okay. you, and you were fucking hilarious. I was like, who is this crazy guy? I also saw you maybe in the summertime at the Lusty Pair on Sunday. And you did this whole bit about the word chink. Yeah. Do you think that America fought Vietnam so that they could just use that word? Um, yeah, so they could exclusively use that word. So after, you know, the word, they went and they copyrighted the word chink. They copyrighted it? Yeah. Who did? Uh, you know, the whole America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eli did, yeah. Um, that was a weird time because Pang Dang, everyone was talking about Pang Dang uh, getting called out by Tony Hinchcliffe for using the word chink, right? Is that where is that what inspired you to do that bit, or had you been doing that bit before? Um, I had thoughts about like what word for Asian that's like considered the N word. I have a bit on how it's not the word chink. So I had bit like on the word chink before, but when the situation happened, people keep on asking me about it. So. I just turned it into like a bit, like yeah, a good yeah, yeah. one minute bit. Um, I 
tried something. It was on my head, this whole situation, too, with Pang Dang and Tony Hinchcliffe and blah, blah, blah. And I, at the Lusty Pair, I, I just, like, tapped the microphone, and I was like, chink, 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 chink. Oh, who set this to canceled? Somebody <laughs> set the microphone to canceled. And I went on right after you, and then the host was scolding me for using hate speech. Oh, really? Yeah. At Nostro Pearl? Yeah. Oh, wow. They were like, we don't use hate speech. I was like, I just went after Ty. <laughs> he he talked to the, the, That's the only word he used during his set. <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Oh, man. Ugh, fucking white people. Um, okay. Do you have... Yes. Do your parents have Stockholm Syndrome? Because we... we I don't know if you know this, but we, were, we went to Amer uh, Vietnam. America went to Vietnam. And we murdered a bunch of people, right? Uh-huh. Did... But then your parents came to America. They, they, like, went to the arms of the abuser. Uh, so that's Stockholm Syndrome, when you fall in love with someone who, ki who kidnaps you. Do your parents have Stockholm Syndrome, or am I misinterpreting? Um, my parents are always on the side of, like, democracy. Uh-huh. So... Either way, they think that America invasion was a good idea for Vietnam. Oh, and okay. they were, they're Catholic, too. Because there's a North and a South Vietnam. Yeah. Vietnam. yeah. Which one was... The North was a communist one. Okay. Yeah. So we were helping South Vietnam be a demo democracy. Yeah. So they were in the South, so they were welcoming America. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. And then we lost the fight, and sorry about that. We lost. We tried. So they feel... Like it was helpful? Um, to me, I really don't think the, the word was like helpful at all. Um, the involvement just kind of escalated even more. But the word was going to happen, I feel like, either way. Between the North and the South. Yeah, yeah. It was happening either Would way. Would it have been better if it was just a civil war? Because then when other countries It'll be get done involved. quicker. It'll be done faster. Yeah. It does not drag out that much. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be better. Like, it'll be quicker, you know? Yeah. But then I wouldn't be able to come to America, so that's a double-edged sword. <laughs> um, I recently met someone from Iraq, and, and they just moved here from Iraq, and I was like, sorry we stole your oil and killed everybody in your family. You know, it's like, I just... As American, I just feel like, what the hell are we doing over there, you know? We're just fighting everybody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's my opinion. Um, so you started June 2015 at the Cherrywood Coffee House. That was your first open mic. Yeah. Were you scared? Tell yeah. me about the first time you did it. Um, first time I did, I was scared out of my mind. I have like five minutes of material about vampires. And then... Um, when I went up there, uh, I got drunk and high. But when you sign up, right, uh, I signed up at like the very beginning, but then they randomize it, they reshuffle it, so they put me like last. So when it's like my turn, I wasn't like high or drunk anymore, I was like very sober. Yeah, so I went up at the end, like it's like a two hour or three hour mark. I went right. up at the end, yeah. Yeah, and I did it. It was so scary. I cried afterward. You cried afterward? Yeah, not like a big cry. I just had tears rolling down my eyes. So. Just because, like, you conquered that fear? Yeah, it's very nerve-wracking. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you've also been doing a lot of shows. I, I've been researching you. Uh-huh. You've been doing a lot of and promoting shows in your own living room. Yeah. Are you worried about the security deposit? Did anyone ruin, you know, ruin your house? No, we don't have anybody crazy in a while. Most people that go to comedy shows are like, who you think? Or somebody that would go into like, you know, my living room. You gotta be like a pretty cool person to go to that show. Yeah. Yeah. Did you lock certain doors? Like, hey, don't go in here, don't go in here. Um, not really. I mean, the door that I don't want people going in, they're closed. And my house is like two story. So all the stage stuff is downstairs and the rooms are upstairs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good on that. <laughs> um, by the way, if you see, because you're going to perform here tonight, so if you see the host and you have to say hi or whatever, let me know and we'll we'll stop for a sec. Um, okay, so the Austin Chronicle uh-huh. wrote a long article about you, and there's a lot of interesting things in here. His primary focus, though, has always been stand-up comedy, much to the chagrin of his mother. Uh-huh. I don't want to go the traditional route my mom wanted me to go. All his brothers and sisters pursued higher education degrees and traditionally lucrative careers. What did your mom want for you? Um, my mom just wanted for me to, like, I don't know. She just think working at a company that pay a high-paying job is, like, the ultimate dream she had for us, you know. Right. Yeah. So um, what did she push you, like, hey, get an electrical engineering degree. Hey, get the, you know. What was she, she pushing? She pushed for me to get a, a two-year degree because I didn't want to go to college. So my parents kind of urged me to get a two-year degree. So I got an associate degree in computer science, which I never used. And like while I was doing comedy, they were pushing me to go to school and get a four-year degree. And they were willing to pay for it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were like, no, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm way too old. I feel like... School is way too boring. <laughs> so, uh, I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. And I don't have the interest either. You said this to the Austin Chronicle in September 15, 2017. Comedy is my way of doing something different. My mom doesn't think I can do it. I showed her my video and she said, Stop. You can't compete with Americans. Yeah. But who's gonna, you know? So, she, even after you shot a whole f- special, you showed it to her and you're like, she's still... Um, yeah, my parents really didn't, like, renew my comedy career until pretty much recently. I would say in the past year, 2020. And now 2021 is when they're like, they're like, okay, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do your siblings do? Uh, my older brother, he's uh, kind of like a, a technical engineer for Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my little brother, he used to be an electrical engineer for Samsung. Now he's just chilling. My little sister is a doctor in Rochester, New York. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm from New Jersey, uh, East Coast. Um, That's right next to Rochester. Huh? It's right next to Rochester. Rochester is just like kind of like uh, north uh, upstate New York, but it's from my dad's house, just like maybe 90 minutes or something like that. 
Oh, maybe two hours. Um, anyway, <coughs> we're rolling through here. Uh, it says, Wynn has taken a huge risk self-funding his taping and hopes his first streaming service or influential comedian will spot him and launch his career. Uh-huh. You've been having some of those things have been happening for you. What's like, uh, you've been getting some heat. You yeah. know, you did uh, Kill Tony. You got some windfall from that. What What has been the reaction from the, you know, headliners that you respect, you know? Um... The only famous comedian that I know is Doug Stanhope. Uh-huh. And I think he's seen my comedy. Okay. Yeah. But you met him and hung out with him a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I hung out with him at his house in Arizona Bisbee for four days. Yeah? Yeah, because I was helping shoot Andy Andrews' stand-up special. Okay. And Andy is, like, Doug's really good friend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Um, cool. So was that what year was that experience? Was that before you pre-pandemic? Okay. So um, when it's did you first? Like in the same. It's like in the same year, but before December. Uh, when did you shoot? Sorry for ruining dinner. Sorry for ruining dinner was last year, 2020. And when was uh, pigeon confetti? Uh. I'd like to say 2017. Okay, so you did Pigeon Confetti first, and Sorry for Ruining Dinner was the recent one. Yeah. So so that experience gave you the skills to, like, help out filming? No, uh, Sorry for Ruining Dinner came out after mm-hmm. I met Doug Stanhope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way after. Um, but uh, it's... <laughs> But it's not a sheer ruse. In his last two years, Wynn has proven to be a versatile, reliable performer, creating a diverse outlets for his humor and his goof from goofy internet videos to comedy rap songs. Yeah. The Austin Chronicle loves you, man. Did you get a nice boost from this? Oh yeah. More bookings? Yeah. Are you getting, you know, recognized on the street? You're just trying to buy a taco and then photographers come up and they're they're hounding you. Um, yeah, that happened pretty often. Not photographer, but normal people recognizing me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went to the park recently and walked, and then a dude recognized me. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, no, I think, like, like I said before, I just, like, really admire your, uh, entrepreneurship and your, like, the business side of it. But also, you're super talented, but also, you're, you got your eye on, like, hey, I... When I have this much stand-up, then I record it on my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what were what are these goofy internet videos that they're talking about? I didn't see them. Uh, I shoot a lot of sketch. Yeah. I used to be in a sketch group called the Yin Yang Bros mm-hmm. with a comedian named Sam Harder. He moved out to L.A. Like me being three years into comedy. But yeah, I used to shoot a lot of sketches with, <laughs> with him. Yeah. Um, the Austin Chronicle also said this. In the beginning, uh, they quoted you. In the beginning, I was worried people wouldn't understand me, he says. So I learned how to speak slower. Most of the time, the punchline doesn't hit if it's worked before. I know I started speaking too quickly. I also like to walk with my shoulders back with a lot of confidence. I'm sure that pisses some people off. I look all cocky, but it helps me get into a relaxed body position. And people kind of laugh at that too, I think. Yeah. 
so you're uh, worried about your posture. You're worried about your pattern. You're worried about your presentation. Yeah. Like a like a proud peacock, <laughs> or like a, a muscle man, uh, you know, showing off his muscles for a co- bodybuilding competition. Yeah. Um. So that was your big mistake in the beginning, just going too fast, being nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Did you also, like, have you ever done stand-up and then, like, someone, like, is like, listen, uh, come over here. That word you're using isn't correct. Like, for example, Francisco Rincon, you know? Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. And I've, but I've pulled him aside before and, like, his English isn't perfect. And I've said, listen, you said this, this isn't quite. <laughs> Has uh-huh. people done that to you? Um, no, I never use any racial star. Except for the one that I could use, you know? Yeah. No, I don't mean racial slurs. I mean like like topic, just correct English. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, some people like it's a some word that they don't understand because of how it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think because you do have an accent, uh, yeah. it's kind of like builds your whole persona. It's like just part of it. Like oh, that's that guy from Vietnam. You know what I mean? It's not the worst thing. Yeah, it kind of gives you uh, a just an identity. Yeah, um, I was I was talking with a psychologist earlier who said that there's something called uh, three culture syndrome, where three someone culture syndrome. where someone like let's say for example, my dad is Mexican, my mom is Italian, but I was raised in Texas. It's uh, called three culture system. Yeah, and it gives people like identity disorders. Like, who am I? Am I Mexican? Am I Italian? Am I Texan? Do you uh, have any of that stuff? Do you, how much do you think about that? Um. Maybe in the past I think about that often, but now I'm just like, identity just like made up. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So I guess I'm just, I just have an identity because I'm in society and people kind of like created it. So you just play along, even though in my mind it's not like even real, it's not science. Yeah, culture and ethnicity is something that human Tony made up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a comedian. I think that kind of gave you an identity. Yeah. <clears throat> As the, uh, I, I also think I've been in different comedy scenes. I think that the Austin comedy scene is like really supportive and really fair, and people are nice here. I agree. Uh, any like drama you ever got in a beef early on with another comic or uh, any jealous losers hating on you? Any haters? Mm-hmm. Not big enough to mention, you know. Not any big enough hate to mention. Okay. Yeah. Um, ha- when have what's like the worst show that you bombed that you like really felt awful after? Um. I did 20 minutes at Santa Cruz uh, one time. I felt like I bombed because I didn't connect with the audience before I performed, and I performed mm. some pretty agey stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I performed like the same material the next day in Canine and then Tony Crush. Yeah. So what do you mean by connect with the audience? Like every time for I perform, I connect with the audience somehow. Like. You know, you say something so they know you like right away before you tell your joke. 
Yeah. So you feel like you just like went into like a performance and they didn't like you first? No, I was too cocky. <laughs> I was way too cocky. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't connect with audience that night. Yeah. Um, now what do you do after after you bomb? What goes through your head, you know? Like, damn, I'm a <laughs> shitty comedian. <laughs> um, what's a, I think the Paramount Theater was one of the best in that year career, right? Um, any other like highlights, high high watermarks? Through stand-up comedy, I was able to work through my insecurity. I knew that by tonight, I had to be secure as possible. Because I don't want to look back and see an insecure tie on my taping. My self-esteem had to be high. In order to do that, I had to refrain from visiting my parents. <laughs> it's true. Two weeks before the show, I visited my parent, and here's what my mom told me. Ty, that is a messed up haircut. You need to get a haircut right now. No company is going to hire you with that haircut. First off, I'm not even looking for a job right now. <laughs> and to prove her point wrong, with this haircut, I could get any IT job in Austin. The performance that stood out to me the most is when I was just starting, I hit an open mic at a place called Austin Java. And that's a group of like old deaf people that was made by this instructor down to that open mic. And they would like heckle comedian that they don't like and stuff. So I went up there, I connected with them, and I did some material, and they absolutely crushed. But that so gave me a lot of confidence. They're deaf, was there an interpreter? No, not deaf, uh, blind, I'm sorry. Oh. Blind, yeah, <laughs> blind. <laughs> I would much, now that you say that, I would much prefer to perform for blind people than deaf people. Oh yeah, they wouldn't know you there. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a show, everyone yeah. paid for tickets, and they're just sitting there not laughing. Any uh, any stories? Any just one question, and then I'll get to your plugs. Do you have like a guru? Do you have like a, a, a comedian that's like a headliner that you're like admire and you are got the inspiration to do the business? Uh, you know, film your specials and stuff like that. What's uh, what? Where are you getting the inspiration to uh, take the shoot your two specials? Um, and I came in heart. Kevin Hunt? He have a lot of stand-up special. You want to be prolific? Uh, yeah, I would like to be prolific. Have a couple of special out. And I have a lot of material. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, love watching you perform. I think Thank you're you. fucking great. Um, you know your material is amazing and you're a really good writer and uh appreciate it you can catch ty win at twitter at crooked beats crooked t beats t uh, crooked t beats yep um you could go to the website tycomedy.com this is highway diary episode three two yeah, yeah. three we have a sponsor for the program cbd oil you mm. have some cannabis oil 
ACBD Remedy. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. That's ACBDremedy.com. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. I'll tell you this. I, before Betty Buy time, I take a little uh, inflammation. There's one that's good for stress and inflammation. I have a little dropper of that at uh -huh. night. Betty Buy time, and I have lovely dreams. ACBD Remedy, promo code ERIC, 20% off. You could also go to ericcollarbach.com. Check out my stand-up specials, uh, conspiracies and dick jokes, fart porn and beer halls, and it's a medical device. There are uh, links to them at ericcollarbach.com. Uh, this has been Highway Diary, episode 323 with Ty Wynn. Thanks, Thank my guest. Thank you. Appreciate having me. All right. Thanks. Bye.